My name is Day. And I'm Monica. Here we are. The Roaring Twenties. Where the future is not so certain. But the status quo is no longer an option. As our structures dismantle and our foundations crumble, we have the opportunity to reorganize and regenerate. Join us in our exploration as we contemplate and reveal the truths and treasures within the here and now. What an exciting time to be alive. And this is Our Our World World in Flux. human We've multiplied <laughs> yet again to a, another trifecta quarantine mm-hmm. quarantine <laughs> in the womb room in the womb room in the womb room we're joined by mary who is another roommate lives with day and myself on this side of the duplex mary and i share mm. a bathroom and we're in closest proximity to each other we're the guardians of the top floor of we the house. Are. <laughs> mm, yes. The sharers of the energy of the mysterious drum. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so true. This is true. That might be a nice way to in, to introduce Mary. I feel like her intuitive ability, because maybe a past paradigm would have been like, oh, well, Mary is certified in this form of instruction and has done this form of educational facilitation historically and and builds things of wood that people would recognize (laughs) but maybe the new paradigm could be the relationship with the drum and how this beautiful intuition came forth from mary um based on well maybe monica has the beginning of the story please start the story time we'll share the story of the drum (laughs) when i was in guatemala i connected with a guatemalan Mayan healer down there who in this moment in his life is focusing his energy on crafting these beautiful handmade drums from the local animals, from the local wood available down in Guatemala. And he is using the profits, he's using the money he receives from these drums to support an orphanage that he is running with around, I think right now he has around 24 children without parents that he's caring for. So Mm. I started connecting with Pablo and decided it was time to acquire my first medicine drum. Mm. And was drawn to this singular drum It's a powerful looking drum. It's a black cowhide and it's pretty large. And I was almost afraid of this drum, I'll I'll admit. (laughs) Yeah. Because of how how primal it looked. Mm. Before I brought it home, it it actually didn't 
have the cowhide like totally removed from the outside so it was this very like wild looking piece and the sound is deep mm-hmm. and it's really just this potent yeah, yeah really this potent um, creation so it came home with me and I started having some strange interactions with the drum. Have you named the drum yet? It doesn't have a name yet, but (laughs) feeling like it was pulling my energy towards it and wanting, um, wanting some, something from me. (laughs) Um, it was, it really, these experiences were quite paranormal where I I would feel all of a sudden my body um, being turned and controlled by something other than myself bringing me up until I was like face to face with the drum on the wall which was hanging hanging up on the wall over my bed and I'm just like what is going on here and then I dreamt about the drum and then we created this podcast room, so I removed the drum from the wall. So that we could put up some more So we sound could put proofing. up soundproofing, yeah. And I, I placed it on a nail right outside my door that happened to be on <laughs> Mary's wall. <laughs> I was like, well, it's closer to outside, so I think that's where it wants to be, like closer to the window environment. Which it just happened to be right to the right yeah, of my there doorway. Was, there was just like a nail right <laughs> the there. Like, there was there was a nail. Ready for it. Nail. So we yeah, were like, yeah, this true. feels okay. Yeah. And then what happened? So it was interesting because um, obviously Monica had like had shown me this drum and I was like, wow, that's beautiful. It looks very similar to a drum that a friend of mine um, down in Central America also carried around that ended up burning in an ayahuasca ceremonial fire. <laughs> Um, but it has the hair still on it, like the hair from the cowhide, like, and it's got this blue detail around, but like, it definitely has a presence to it. Um, but nobody had informed you of such presence. Right. So I, one night I had gotten home fairly late cause I like had taken my best friend Derek out grocery shopping. He doesn't have a car, lives by himself. And... I'd gotten home really late, and you guys had actually been using the drum in the kitchen earlier that night, mm-hmm. and I didn't like realize any of this had been going on. The drum is obviously still there outside my door, like well, it's like literally to the right of my doorway. Not anymore. No, not anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been moved. in that moment. Sorry. In that moment, so I like you know I and I honestly like I was just like oh that's beautiful. Like didn't think anything of it. Like go in, go to bed, and at like three o'clock in the morning, I woke up with the most vivid like horrifying nightmares, <laughs> like the, the feeling like the, it was very visceral. So, um, and I was trying to, to articulate to Monica the next day, um, just the storyline. Cause the storyline was like really erratic and I couldn't really find a clear beginning and end, um, to that, the storyline within the dream. But oftentimes the dreams, like we kind of feel our way through it. And in the dream, like I had, I like woke up in my bedroom, so it almost felt like it was happening in real life. But it, the the scenario was I woke up in my bedroom, and I was super agitated and like couldn't. I I felt like I couldn't get out, and it was causing 
Like, and I knew on like the deepest of levels that it was the drum. And I was like, we got to move that drum. <laughs> like, and I like ran out of my bedroom and like tried to like find all of my roommates and tried to figure out like what we needed to do with the drum. But the drum was almost like following me and chasing me. Um, not like floating off the wall and doing this, but like speaking to me loudly and aggressively. And, um, I actually wrote a little bit about it. It was very, very clear to me that whatever was communicating with me was whether it was the drum or it was an entity embodied within the drum. It was clear that it was the drum and it was not, um, a benign character. And I, Woke up the next morning and of course I was groggy and I was exhausted because it was, it was a nightmare. Like there was no way around it. Like it wasn't just like a weird dream. It was a nightmare. And I, um, bumped into Monica and I was like, you know, cause I, as I was thinking about it and processing the information the next morning, I wasn't afraid. I didn't like have a lingering fear. It was more just a curiosity. And so I did like walk outside of my room placed my left hand, like my receiving side onto the drum and closed my eyes. And I could feel that same tightening of anxiety in my chest. That is a very kinesthetic, um, communication to me that like, I need, I've got anxiety and I need to deal with it, whether it's breathing or running or yoga or whatever I need to deal with it. And so it was a very clear, immediate, like response mechanism to whatever was going on with that, with that drum. Mm -hmm. And I knew that Monica was not the type of person that would go into like some weird chintzy airport store and pick up what looks like a really authentic thing. I knew on a level like she, like there was some thought behind it. So I was curious and I asked her, I was like, Monica, where did you get this? <laughs> Who gave you this drum? Where did you get it? Like, what's the story behind it? And then you did open up and share, you know, with me, but you also had some more information about it because I wasn't the only one that night mm. that, had, that had this like really bizarre experience with it. Yeah. yeah. The fact that we had like connected with it on a ceremonial level that night to um, see what was, what was up and Logan connected with it mostly or um, was did, playing it. Yeah. He did some, some work with it and found that it, had desired to be shown sort of the four directions. So an element of like getting its bearings, perhaps in a new country, in a new environment, in a new quote unquote body, because now it's a drum, no longer a cow, and whether it is aware of that or not. Mm -hmm. um, but that same night I'd had like crazy nightmares the whole night and just like- Down in the basement, in, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the yeah. basement, like quite far away from this drum. And you, was that the night that you also had the- No, it, had, was it had been a couple days prior, but what I had, the word that had arisen when I was communicating it to people around me was like, this does not feel benevolent. And you wrote and I that. I literally wrote that. I found it. In your it. morning pages. So yeah. while, <laughs> while there is not this sense of like being in danger, right? I don't feel afraid of the drum. I don't feel that it wants to harm me or hopefully anybody else, <laughs> but it is not Maybe it's like our content. alarm system. Yeah. <laughs> and, Security. And we're not clear at this point whether, like you said, whether this is the um, energy of the animal that is communicating mm. to us or whether there is an entity that has um, clinged on to this drum. But in terms of, like, future involvement, one of our housemates, Jess, um, has a connection from going through a shaman school with 
her shaman who has worked with specifically with drums even mm-hmm. huh. to peer into what is going on so right. we have like the next step we have the nice. next step uh-huh. and also in the time since the nightmares we did have another ceremony with right. the drum and pablo outside remotely. by the fire and right yeah pablo the creator of the drum um told me to connect with the drum at 10 p.m oh, and yeah. that he would be that um psychically also connecting to the drum at that mm. time and my intention through that was to help the drum orient again to its environment mm-hmm. and drum outside ex- show it show it its surroundings mm-hmm. and just inquire you know, yeah, what is like, it that you, you have, to, have to share yeah. what like yeah. what do you need from us what and did you get what did you gather from that continued connection mm-hmm. to it it doesn't want to just sit on the wall we took it hiking. So we took yeah. it hiking. <laughs> we didn't even drum it. Like, Dave just carried it on his back. And right, right. So there's Super a lot sights. of question marks still. Feel the air. Feel the wind. Uh-huh. And you had another interesting experience last night. Or I guess this morning. Right. Oh, yes. Yes, this morning. Because <laughs> I, like, I sat in bed this morning. Um, and I, you know, did my morning thing where I, like, set up. And I get my pen out and my notebook out and try to engage with my morning pages. And then I, like, make my way into the kitchen and make my lemon water. And I was in this mood that was just so... The only way I could describe it was just, like, this intense, willful rebellion. I, like, wasn't even going to drink my lemon water. (laughs) I was like, I'm not doing any of this. And I, like, stood up and I realized, like, how how like truly childish it was like to be like feeling this way. And I was then of course reflecting on those feelings and like walked in and I saw Dan and Monica in the kitchen and I said something along the lines of like, I feel like I'm in a cage and it has nothing to do with my roommates or my house. But I think hearing yesterday the news that the mayor of Denver had specifically mandated a lockdown wasn't so much a surprise like I wasn't shocked it didn't really feel that different from what we had been doing but it really stirred up this primal Mm. side of me that was just like you will not tell me what to do and it's not even like I want to go out and you know lick some like like banisters so like people get sick like I'm not like trying to go out and not social distance but like there's this wild part of me that has always existed that like, I don't do well with authority. I do not mm. like, I don't do well with being told what to do. Um, I, I feel this, this absolute need for sovereignty over like my decision making, mm. especially when it comes to moving about freely mm. in my world, in my space, in my, you know, like, I think it comes from childhood, like feeling stuck in Indiana mm. and then constantly being grounded. Like I've never been to jail, so I really shouldn't necessarily have this like intensity around it, but we kind of talked a little bit about um, maybe it feel it felt like there was a little bit of past life connection there. Like I, I have no doubt that I've definitely been to prison in past lives. Like mm-hmm. that, I mean, it's kind of a Christmas miracle I haven't been to jail like in this lifetime. I'm a little lucky. Like thank God, knock on wood. But at the same time, like I was exp- like trying to articulate and express to them like where the what the origin of that was and like we kind of started playing around with that in our 
conversation yeah, a bit earlier. of a, an archetype potentially coming through especially a rebel archetype i mean mm-hmm. even the word rebellion indicates yeah rebel archetype um yeah and just to give the details of what was mandated right in denver they're asking us to not go outside unless we are going to the grocery store the pharmacy the gas station we're going to exercise right so we can go to the park and we can go on our walks as long as we're social distancing Mm. and they did mandate the closure of liquor stores and marijuana dispensaries Mm. and then a couple hours later (laughs) there was a change (laughs) of heart i guess and now those establishments are allowed to remain open so long as there is extreme social distancing in place. Mm-hmm. So like you said, mm-hmm. that's not different than what we've been doing. No, not right? at all. But this like psychological mm, sense yeah, of being of a heightened control. I think right. the most interesting thing I found when you walked in the room and were communicating your feelings was... Um, that you had indicated that it doesn't make sense in my logical mind why I felt, and this is to kind of put two things together that you had said, doesn't make sense in my logical mind why I felt such a strong desire to weep this Mm, morning. Yeah. And (laughs) then I brought in the idea of how we allow in this culture, I mean, even before this experience, I think it was quite well known that there's a lot of people that that our society rewards being in the headspace versus being in any of these other centers of the Mm. body like being in the gut like resonating with what your gut feeling feels like and using the word weep well to me um and coming from some previous conversations that we had too that weeping it to me it seems due to this grieving process that the world Mm is moving through but mm-hmm. actually you had some logical rational resistance mm-hmm. to the idea that we would need to be grieving anything right now maybe you could right speak to that. right so um when you brought that up you were like oh like to me it sounds like there's something in you that's moving towards grief or you're grieving the loss of um this old this old paradigm um to a degree and we kind of like started speaking to that and i you know, we, we talked about like what it would, I would like, what it would be that I was grieving because like, there's this definite part of me that is just like profoundly hopeful right now. Like I just feel like I was writing about it, not in my morning pages, but in my journal the other day, there's like lots of different things going on with my writing, but I, it was two weeks ago and it was just like, I am so elate, like elated right now. I feel like we're on the precipice of mm. this epic evolutionary change in like the system and yes like I know that like this is you know a contraction and it's going to be difficult and it's going to be a little painful to move through it but it's just like birthing right you move two steps forward one step back two mm-hmm. steps forward I feel like we're we we made we gave a good push like mm-hmm. something with the global community just we are getting to that 100 monkey mm-hmm. and so I've had this very below the surface like excitement around it like and just like a celebratory feeling so like to me it didn't necessarily feel like i was grieving anything because i've been so like strangely optimistic and hopeful through all of this Mm. 
Um, but we were talking about um, if we were to be grieving about like the system mm. shifting into something new, a new game being in place, like what aspects would I be grieving? And I think like, you know, obviously like attachment's a thing and we get attached to like the cleverness of knowing the rules and finding a way to get around it for people like particularly like us who yeah. don't like to necessarily do the nine to five status quo, da 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 da. Mm. Like we're a little more non-conventional in how we how we move about the world and through life and um I like there's certainly like might be a subconscious part or piece of me that is going to grieve the process of figuring out like ways around the rules of the game. Mm. Which again takes me right back to this like rebellious thing mm -hmm. within me. Right. You were activating that rebel at, oh, man. like on a daily basis every day yeah. that Mary continued in her existence was a blatant like <laughs> F you to the system yeah. at play. Right. And whether yeah. you were aware of that consciously mm -hmm. or not, you were activating that archetype on a daily basis oh, by sure. living in this home and doing your own thing and not succumbing <laughs> to like working at some grocery store, Walmart right. or right. Um, not to say grocery stores are not heroes, but you know, yeah. um, <laughs> right, totally. it, it was a rebellion. Mm -hmm. And now that element of ego loss is almost the same ego loss you might have experienced with like not being a teacher anymore. Oh, for sure. Well, and like Monica had said one thing in the kitchen that was like, uh, what was it that you said, Monica, in regards to this, like the status quo has been historically speaking that when things like this are in place or put in place by governments, it, is, it has been to gain more control. And I think on a subconscious level, I'm like feeling that in a really heavy way, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's bringing up, that is what's bringing up fear in my being. Totally. <laughs> but to return to what you said, in order to even play out your rebellious archetype, you're still in relationship to the game. Yeah, <laughs> for better or for worse. Yeah. yeah, and I would also question like going rewinding even more like do we even need to know why we want to sob like does there have to even yeah. be a reason yeah. for that or can we just allow it to be energy moving through us right mm -hmm. mm. yeah <laughs> it's like such a the rational mind doesn't yeah. need to know what's right. going on to be like whoa like to just feel it ah. and then yeah. and then yeah. when we actually listen to that impulse mm -hmm. and allow those tears to come mm -hmm. and then something new opens up to right. us on the other side of that oh for sure you know and it's interesting because like i have definitely been playing um a little bit more with not questioning questioning the source of emotion so much as just allow, allowing it to move through because even just questioning the source of it, the origin of it, allows us to be attached to that narrative, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was like sitting in the kitchen like three days ago. I've been in the house a lot. <laughs> I was sitting in the kitchen three days ago and I was like looking out the window and I like kind of tranced out for a minute. It was so beautiful. Like the sun was coming through. All of Bonnie's little rainbow stickers are like on the wall or on the window. So all of the rainbows are like all over the place in the kitchen and 
I just like allowed myself to like, like just kind of soak up that, that sunshine. And, and strangely, like a little piece of me like opened up where like the tears just came and there wasn't any desire or need mm. to define the origin of those tears. And I, cause I just knew on like a, an, an intuitive level that like they were valid despite their origin and like that they needed to happen. But I think when I'm not focused and I'm not, you know, I don't feel grounded. That's mm. when I find myself needing to, mm -hmm like figure out why like what's it. the what's the oh. origin like what why mm -hmm. am i doing this like why am i feeling this way because ultimately like i am a fairly reflective person like i do it might not seem like it on the outside but i do constantly like think about like if when you know you and i were talking about the emotion of jealousy the other day day and we i was like you know when i do feel this like like emotion that's not a normal thing for me come up i always go back in and i'm like Hmm, why am I feeling like this? Mm -hmm. Like, why am I, why am I acting out like this? And I think that's the elementary school teacher in me. Mm -hmm. Cause I do like yeah. try to get kids to also reflect yeah. like, yeah. why, what's going on here? Right. Like, you're not just throwing your pencil at Susie because mm -hmm. you know, for no reason, like something else is what causing a, this. What about the reflection of what might lead you to peer at this energetic environment? and the aspect of you that is like, okay, I'm up, I'm out, Ooh. I'm transplanting. I think that's been coming up for almost everybody, everybody in the house. <laughs> like we've all been so grateful to have this safe home to cocoon into. And then... The saboteur. Yeah, like you've been talking about your rebel architect, yeah. ar archetype. Like I've been having the rebel come out and I've also been having the saboteur. Yeah, where, like, I love that we, one. <laughs> we've been kind of sitting down and f formulating, like, how do we want to spend this time? How do we want to grow as a community together? And just to give an example, Day and Logan put together, like, a whiteboard <laughs> the other day of all these ideas and a oh, potential yeah. schedule that um, <laughs> we could align to. <laughs> to make sure we get to all the things that we want we want to do and i took one look at it and i was like oh my god <laughs> like i was like get me out of here like it like yeah. freaked me out and then i'm like you know why you know why the inquiry is yeah. <laughs> important and I can see realizing that in you. like it shines through in like a cheeky way yeah, i love it <laughs> like everything on that board is something that I believe in. Totally. Everything on that board is like something that, that I would yeah. like to be a part of. And having somebody else like be like, this is, this is the thing we're going to do, even though that was not how it was presented, that yeah. was how I perceived it, made me want to um, throw all that out the window, mm -hmm. even though I knew that all of those things were in my highest good. And be like, at that, like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I do what I want. I do what I want. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. we had this house meeting and it came up, the board came up for about 20 seconds. And then, like, Monica's like, I don't want anything to do with that. And Jess is like, yeah, I don't know about that. I have my own schedule. And then, like, Logan and I just look at each other and, <laughs> all right, well, that's done. And it, it feels like, it's almost like in a consent workshop within, like, um, um, cuddle party or like whatever mm -hmm. you know form of like touch there's this element of 
if you're in the mode of, in the moment of like asking for consent about something if the other person says like like if you say oh can i like give you a shoulder massage if they say oh no yeah then that's it yeah <laughs> and versus being like um i would not enjoy a shoulder massage um but i am open to giving you a foot massage ew and <laughs> and that's like an offering or it can be like right, totally or you can like i don't know whatever the uh, other offering is right but to i think to have that other offering might be helpful <clears throat> to keep the um the energy of that intention moving alive mm, and yeah. i felt like that that sort of to me was like, just like, okay, well, nobody's on board with anything I'm going to offer. <laughs> so I'm out. Like, mm -hmm. right. I'm energetically like, well, uh -huh. I'm going to do my own thing. Right. So it, like, activated, like, a rebelliousness within like me. Like, my rebelliousness yeah. activated yeah. your rebelliousness. Yeah. <laughs> and Burn it all. I think that all of those things are going to emerge organically. And I think you set the kind of, like, framework of potential and I still want to explore that. Mm -hmm. But at that point in my own emotional rhythm, like I was not there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think too, yeah. just like the whole shift in our realities with work and mm -hmm. you know, like all of us are out of work right now. I mean, and I, like in terms of like our normal career mm -hmm. income, like, the industries, most of the industries that like people work within are out of work unless yeah. they're absolutely essential. Mm -hmm. And so I think like finally, like for the first time ever that we can trace historically back to, for the first time ever, the majority of the industries are like taking a mandatory vacation mm -hmm. and people do not know how to behave. Mm -hmm. Like they don't know how to behave with like outside the structure of yeah. these, you know, of these institutions that we've had to slave away for and to in order to like pay your bills. Yeah. Mm. And so like for the first time ever, we're all stepping away, taking a nice deep breath. And then the moment somebody has like a schedule or something that looks kind of like a schedule, we're just like, no, like you will not take me. Like, right. You have to tie me like, and drag me in. I am and, like, not there yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, I was laid off from my position at, um, at the beginning of last week and it's a job I've had or at least a company I've worked for for six years right and I'll be honest the last year of that I had been starting to anticipate leaving that position I knew that that was coming in my future I knew that was what I desired Mm. And I wasn't quite there yet for a lot of reasons, partially just because it was such a, an amazing organization mm. that I felt loyalty mm -hmm. towards, and they were supporting me as I was pursuing my other adventures. And yeah. now that um, piece of security is gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what I was asking for happened. Right, of course. <laughs> And there's a lot mm -hmm. to process around that. Like mm -hmm. you, I've talked to a lot of people who have lost their jobs, and they were jobs that they hated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And right. And this the first like reaction is often like flipping out. Mm. For, right. I mean, at least for a lot of people I've talked to, um, 
and then you you bring it back like well isn't this what you yeah. yeah. This is the machine. Uh-huh. It's funny so that we were watching the, game, the rewatching yeah. the Matrix like oh, a month oh, or really? two before <laughs> this all happened. Like it's yeah. all perfect divine timing. Uh-huh. Right. You know, it's interesting because um like kind of connecting back to what you said about Monica about people that you've spoken to who have lost their jobs and they were jobs that they hated. So like the other side of that spectrum is kind of like where I stand with dear, dear like friends of mine. So I work um, and make the majority of my income in music production and we are just on the precipice of like my season where I get busy, I get to travel, I get to be around all my homeless roommates who are also on the same circuit building these um, large scale art installations for music festivals and um, speaking, oh man, speaking with one of my dearest girlfriends, her name is Alina, and she got trapped in Toronto because <laughs> she had to get over the, the border to Canada to get some medicine that she absolutely needed, and then the borders closed, mm-hmm. and she has not lived in Toronto. I think she mentioned like eight years, and she's stuck in her mother's house mm-hmm. with her brother, who she loves dearly, but she's like... I moved out of here eight years ago. Like, there's a reason why I did that. And she's um, a permanent resident of the United States who usually lives down in SoCal. Like, so she's in the desert and has access to, like, the materials that she works with to build art, to, like, be creative. She's happy with the idea of being isolated as long as she's, like, in her, like, safe space. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. she is in a mandatory two-week quarantine like, I think she's allowed to walk out of the house briefly, but, like, can't mm-hmm. go X amount of whatever kilometers away. And she's stuck in a place that she hasn't lived in for eight years <clears throat> with people that she loves, but, like, she drives them crazy. Mm-hmm. And so she's this creative, wild woman force. And all of these artists that I, like, love, that are dear family, are these creative forces that are now weren't necessarily the wealthiest people in the world to begin with, but like are now removed from work that they actually love Mm, and mm -hmm. don't have a foreseeable starting point. And so I I think that's a scary place to be. I I have an interesting question. Is, is it possible that these creative explosive forces that are constantly moving from one end of the earth to the other to engage in these explosive music festivals where there's so much intense energy Mm. Could that be covering something up that there might be some inner work to do? Well, and, you know, like, her and I spoke to that a little bit. Like, when we were in the midst of our video chat, um, because I could feel (laughs) her and my girlfriend, Brittany, like, I could feel their, like, frustration. And I was like, look, like, I think the best way to navigate this is to, like, hold each other accountable. Because me personally, like, as an artist, I'm... I'm a, I'm a bridge. Like, I'm not just an artist. Like, I have other things to, to like, turn to. So, like, I'm, I'm an artist. I'm a healer. I'm a teacher. Like, I'm using this as an opportunity to, like, get into the other sides of, like, my paradigm, my mm-hmm. own personal paradigm. And so I, you know, I kind of, I explained to her, like, maybe this is a really good opportunity to, like, get into that really quiet place mm-hmm. that, like, is not yeah. normal or comfortable for you. 
And then like we can hold each other accountable. Like we can work on a different scale. Like Mm -hmm. what can you do on a daily basis outside of your comfort zone? Like in this new cold Mm -hmm. Canadian where, you know, reality, the city that you're in, what can you do on a creative level? That's at a smaller level. Like look around you. I know you don't have what you usually have access to, but like, this is an interesting opportunity for you to do something maybe a little bit different, like on a different scale. And she actually, she's like, you know, I'm like looking around at all this stuff. I kind of just, you know, in my old childhood bedroom. And she's Mm. like, I have a bunch of pieces of jewelry. And like, Mm. she's like, I would actually, and she is, she's also a makeup artist. Like she's just like this incredible woman. And she's like, I could take these pieces. She's like, I brought a ton of materials, natural materials back from Costa Rica to do this and to build this. Like, Maybe this is an opportunity to like work on a smaller scale mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, and so, you know, trying to be compassionate and trying to be a sister, like a, an open set of ears mm-hmm. rather than a fixer, mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. oftentimes I'm like, why don't we do this and this and da, 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 da. But, um, and trying to like be empathetic to her situation. Cause I'm in a much, in my opinion, a much better situation right now than she's at because I did put myself in her shoes. And I know as much as I love my parents, I can't spend more than four days with them in their home before I start to lose my freaking mind. And they start to lose their mind. Like I'm not an easy person to live with as you all know, but you know, I'm trying to be like an open, open heart to listen, but then also try to provide options and tools at the same time mm-hmm. like to be able to to do something maybe a little different yeah because yeah. even you said like this is an interesting opportunity to be creative in like an even more mm-hmm. interesting way without the confines of like a contract expecting you to like do something specific like this is on controlled unfettered freedom for right. creative action mm-hmm. yeah it's the first opportunity for that and any of any our time. lives <laughs> yeah um, especially to, people who make a living off of art yeah. like you always have to cons- like work within the box of expectation in terms of what the person mm-hmm. paying for it is expecting mm-hmm. yeah can i turn that question back around on both of you too in a way because yeah. you two are both humans that have moved around mm. a lot mm-hmm. in their lives <laughs> yeah. and have always found a new frontier of exciting mm-hmm. environments to explore. There's been so much movement in both mm-hmm. of your lives over the past seven years or however long it's mm-hmm. been. Whereas for me, like I'm pretty comfortable in rooting down to the mm-hmm. point of stagnancy. Mm-hmm. Like that's more yeah. where things end up for me <laughs> than uh-huh. the other way around. So both of you, have this impulse to move Mm -hmm. and I am wondering if that impulse comes not only from a place of you know thriving on newness Mm -hmm. but also if what discomfort that impulse is trying to like cover up Mm -hmm. I guess yeah like a running from rather than a running to yeah I think that came up a lot within the backpacker communities traveling around the world yeah oh that's one of the first things people ask me Mm -hmm. like when they like start to figure out and like put the puzzle pieces of like my history together Mm -hmm. like once people start to get to know me they're like what are you running from Mm. and I'm always like what a strange question to ask answer to that question um (laughs) 
That's the thing. Like, every new country I move to, every new continent jump I make, there there's always a different... Like, not one yeah. move has ever been the same to the right. last one. So I can't just chalk it up to... With the logical mind. Right, right. It's more of like, um, you know, for example, um, I was in Australia living for a year. I moved there from... Where was I? I'd moved there from India the second time I'd moved to India. And then right before that, I had been living on the West Coast working a seasonal job. And so... And that was, like, right after I graduated university. So my thing was I was finally, for the first time ever, untethered. Like, I was untethered. I didn't have any obligations in my life, Mm -hmm. in my 22, 23 years of existence, to, like, fulfill. So I was like, Mm -hmm. this is it. Like, I'm going to do this to, like, the live my life to the absolute fullest I can and, and try to find a way, like, navigate a way to make that work. And then I got to Australia and... I was like, I'm not a fan of this place. <laughs> so like moving back to Ireland after that, I was like, I was just like, I'm not a fan of Australia. Like I'm mm-hmm. running from Australia because y'all, mm-hmm. I don't know, like not y'all because I have like some of my dearest friends are Australian, but like there was something very, I don't know if it was, I, I kind of chalked part of it up to like past life. Like mm-hmm. I had some really strange things happen while I was in Australia that forced me to really confront um, my interaction with the masculine mm-hmm. and like my mm-hmm. like divine femininity like being attacked like abrasively and like that stirred up a lot of old trauma and I had just kind of as a 23 year old decided this is not for me you know but I've also lived in places where I was just like I feel like I've done the work I need to do here mm-hmm. like I'm you know, there's nothing more yeah. for me here, and so I'm gonna go and and do the next thing and check right. the next and bucket every, list go off. Every new place that both of you have gone to has brought mm-hmm. new challenges, new oh, things for sure. to learn, like beautiful connections, right? So mm-hmm. it's not like there's ever been a wrong move made, <clears throat> but, but just, now that you're yeah. a little bit more. Mm-hmm perhaps limited in your ability to uproot like what is that provoking in you day um well i wanted to before you got to that question at the end there i wanted to say um as you were speaking what came up for me was that my most powerful country that i lived in was due to an accidental quote-unquote element Hmm. where i was waiting for a musical instrument to arrive and i wasn't aware that the um the customs situation in that country was going to lead to like three months for mm. that instrument to Where arrive. Where was that? In South Africa. Okay. Mm. Um, and I was so ready to leave South Africa after like three weeks of being there. I was being confronted with mm-hmm. many things that I did not enjoy. And it was mm-hmm. obviously my own, or not obviously my own creation. Totally. In a way. Mm-hmm. But I was this tall, Caucasian. Uh, American man living in Southeast Asia. With bleached blonde short <laughs> hair. With bleached blonde short hair. And so I, was, I would walk down the streets in China and people would want to take pictures with me because that's like what they do if you're Slim a tall. Shady. Ca- yeah. I'm real shady and all you other. Right. Gotta keep it non explicit. But not that we did. Do, do we? That. No, we don't. <laughs> um, I had developed an ego structure heavily tied to my Southeast Asian um, world and even living in Japan. Like, I was, like, the, like, creature to, like, 
desire. Yeah, totally. I was you like were fully playing exotic. out my Don Juan archetype. Like, <laughs> and I was loving every single moment of it. Yeah. And that's something I've been looking at here when I was reading through an archetype book, Sacred Contracts by Caroline. Um, I can't remember her last name. Mm, I need to look at Really that. nice book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so playing that out. And now I'm questioning like, well, is that just because I've moved to a new place, that doesn't mean that part of me is gone. How do mm. I access that? Mm. How do I play into like, how do I find those places where I'm desired? How do I build mm. this being up in a way that's desired? But that might not be necessary. It's just something to peer at. Mm. When I got to Africa, mm-hmm. nobody gave a crap about a tall white boy. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> totally. the, the, yeah. the female beings that were going to Africa were like, Keen, and this was a story that I told myself, and the, you know, this mm-hmm. might be a little misogynistic, but this was the story that I told myself. It's not necessarily the story, the way I look at it now. Mm. But, like, they were keen on something different. They mm-hmm. were not keen on a tall white boy because they just came from Europe. Like, they got plenty of that. They came from Netherlands. There's tons of beautiful men, like, tall yeah. men. Like, they came from Germany, from Switzerland. Like, yeah, might as well be, like, one of the flock. Yeah, totally. There was nothing, like, truly unique about me. I looked like any generic South African dude. And then the only thing I had was Your my accent. accent. <laughs> yeah. And that would be like a point of like like adoration yeah. by South African people. And I kind of I really loved playing with that element of like dropping into my observer. And maybe I still hold that with me a lot today. Like I think you I love to do. observe mm-hmm. and like shock by like making my way into the conversation and I don't really get to do that in America but that like became my ego structure of like how I can like do something that like makes me desired Mm. in that situation Don Juan archetype Mm -hmm. Um, seducer archetype so when I was in Africa for those first three weeks I was like I'm here to learn sailing that's what I'm here for I'm gonna do that and then I'm gonna leave and then I'm gonna make crap loads of money traveling the world like, uh-huh. that was my full intention going to Cape Town. <laughs> Three right. weeks later, I was still waiting on my hang drum, like a steel drum, mm-hmm. and it had not arrived. It was supposed to take, like, six days, and it was three weeks in, and I was like, okay, I guess I'll just keep waiting. It said it was in Johannesburg at the customs department, so I just kept extending my hostel. I extended another two weeks, and they were like, well, do you just want to work here? Like, you already, like, basically work here. I was like, you know, like, bringing people their breakfast. I was like, well, at least give me a job. Right. It's funny how, like, when you live in a non-monetary world, right, Cape Town's so cheap that, and I had, like, a savings account. I didn't really see, like, money as an object. Right. Kind of like the current experience, like, especially when the government starts sending out checks. Yeah. Just like, oh, what is this, like, green paper that we, like, hold in such high (laughs) esteem? And that same thing happened there. I'm like, it's funny when you go into that point of stillness. Like, I hadn't worked then for, like, a week or two at the end of my, like, sailor training. I'm like, well, what do I do now? Well, I really enjoy just lounging around doing nothing. And I did that for, like, two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then I got really bored. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, okay, someone give me a job. You don't have to pay me. I just want to have a job. So they'd, like, give me little jobs. Be like, yeah, like, you're really good at entertaining people and, like, taking people on tours. Maybe you should, like, do pub crawls. And I was like, cool. Done. (laughs) And I started doing that. And then they were like, well, if you, like, clean the bathrooms, like, once a day, then, like, you can live here for free and have free breakfast. And I'm like, cool. Yeah. (laughs) Done. Yeah. And then I was just like, I kept extending my stay. I got to three months. And then, um... I needed to do a visa hop 
I was intending to go to Madagascar. Mm. But it's the same price to go to Madagascar from Cape Town as to go to Paris. So I was like, well, I'm just going to go to Paris for two weeks because it was middle of winter in South Africa, middle of summer in Paris. Mm. And then I went there, came back. The drum had still not arrived. I'm like, dude, yo. (laughs) Meanwhile, like nobody (laughs) desires me. I'm like middle of Africa. (laughs) And like all these like beautiful German and Dutch ladies are coming through and French ladies. And like, they don't give a crap about me. Like this life sucks. Uh (laughs) But I'm waiting for my $2,000 musical instrument to arrive. And just, like, over time, I, like, became comfortable with, like, Mm. what if I'm not this crazy desired being? Like, can I rewrite my ego structure? Mm. Mm -hmm. Am I so attached to that being my life story? Mm. So it's interesting because I've not heard this side of your South Africa story, I like you became eventually very connected and in love with South Africa. And I've always heard that side of it. And it's really beautiful to see the first part of that puzzle mm. that led you mm. into that place. Cause like it is, it's a love affair is always, whether it's with a person or with a country, like there's, there's a piece of that where I have to like, in order to really truly be committed in, in love, with a person or a place, like I have to, to go through the trenches a little bit. I have to Mm -hmm. feel like there's a lesson here that needs to be learned. And then the other side of that lesson can be like, Oh wow. Like now I'm in love Mm -hmm. with this place because, and that was very similar to where I was at with Costa Rica because I, everywhere else I lived in like some really just like throw you into the deep end sorts of places. Like I lived in, um, a th- like a slum of 30,000 people when I first moved to India. Like I, and I, I crave that intensity and I crave that, like feel it. Like mm-hmm. the grunginess of a place is mm-hmm. like what I usually go for. And in Costa Rica, I was just so whitewashed. I was <laughs> like, why are all these white people here? Like go away. But then like once I got beyond that like side of it and I actually started to like really drop into and I and it was it was an almost immediate the pristine beauty of Costa Rica, mm-hmm. and just to like, I became so deeply in love with a country that like maybe on a social level I was like kind of struggling with but like man, if I wanted a, like a place in the woods a cabin in the woods like I got it and it was in the cloud rainforest and I like and I just really fell deeply in love with like my environment versus like the mm-hmm. social aspects of yeah. where I was and a at. New love story developed. Yeah, it that did. with the, the it earth did. in mm. that space. So much so. So what are we being asked to in this environment right. to fall in love with? Now you're in Denver. Or I guess we're Lakewood. in Lakewood. <laughs> like kind of like, like we're close to the city, but right. like kind of suburbia. It's a little suburban. Yeah. Um, I guess there's there's some diversity in our area, but this is where we are now. Mm, yeah. What is there to learn from it? What is there to fall in love with? What is there to it's fall not in the love earth. With? That's been a lesson. Yeah. It's not necessarily the, the people, yeah. the social. What is? What is it, maybe, guys? Somebody tell me. Maybe yourself. Yeah, maybe <laughs> it's ourselves. <laughs> I know, right? Like maybe it is. Like it, you know, it's interesting because I I transplanted myself from Costa like four. I was in Costa Rica for four and a half years at that like my normal status quo of like living on five continents in the last 13 years of my life. I like stick around for nine months to a year. And then the gestation period is usually over and I'm on to the next Mm -hmm. and I might come back and then do another little gestation and then Mm -hmm. leave. But 
I have been in Denver now for almost two years and was in Costa Rica for four and a half. And that was a time warp. That was a vortex. And, and my goal in coming to Denver was to go back to grad school for somatic psychology and like to put that energy back into myself mm-hmm. that I had just been, yeah. you know, I have Yeah. I've been very, very, very outward with my actions and intentions. And, you know, my intention moving here was to pour that back into myself and my, mm-hmm. my goals and personal development and my, my own personal education and mm-hmm. moving forward with my life. Um, and that is an internal journey. I just have to teach myself how to do an internal journey, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and you know? maybe we don't need to rely on these systems of education mm. that we feel are our <laughs> ticket to the chocolate right. factory. Oh, you're so right. Because right. so yes. many classes right now are coming online. There's Coursera.org. Mm. There's different... Grace was talking, speaking to that last night on the phone. Yeah. Like, she's like, why do I feel like I need this external validation? Right. Yep. And this piece of paper and the next piece of paper. and Because I think we all are people that genuinely enjoy learning. Yeah. And we all love to dive into those workshops. But man, let me tell you what. That puts a hole in the wallet, in the whole wallet. Like, yeah. Why that's are we the, doing that's that? That's the machine. <laughs> it's the machine. It's marketing. Yeah. We've been sold. It's capitalism. That. It is capitalism <laughs> at its core. And meanwhile, yeah. like you have all the tools at your disposal. If you go sit in your room for three weeks and learn about somatic psychology right. for three weeks, you're going to come out of that room better equipped yeah. than anyone coming out of that program who's just like done the bare minimum. Right. 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 And... It, your story might be that you create your own somatic psychology program. We might be w- moving into a world where these regulations and these structures might be starting are, to lift a little bit, and or something. more important might be the outcome. Like, how well can you prepare someone else? Like, you're mentoring mm-hmm. a student right now who lives in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. How well can if you prepare that student for life better than their friends who ha- are doing mm-hmm. stay-at-home programs, like, that comes back to you and not to do, like, the whole guru archetype, which is also in the book. Watch out yeah, for that one. Yeah, watch out for that one. Like, taking <laughs> yeah. in someone else's energy and being like, oh, yeah, like, that feels I know good. Best. But instead of that, yeah. like, that, that student that you're mentoring in Costa Rica, if they are better equipped than their friend group mm. and better prepared to, like, let's say, integrate with an American culture. Like, mm-hmm. if they want to, like, study, and, you know, that's part of the system, right? Like, study at an mm-hmm. American university. But if they end up better equipped, the outcome shows mm. that mm-hmm. you, Mary, were, and again, not to guru you, but that you were a critical element of that process. Right. And then two new students come your way. And there's also the archetype difference between being a teacher and being a mentor because mentors mm-hmm. typically like to work with like one or like few number totally. of people at a time mm-hmm. to give them all of their energy and all of their support. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not in the realm of being a rescuer, like let right. me rescue this child <laughs> yeah. from their, um, just even my rescuer, like Monica talking about Pablo and his orphanage. I'm like 24 orphans. Oh God. <laughs> no, no, like I mustn't visit. <laughs> we were talking about animal shelters yeah. the other day, and luckily, when I called the animal shelter of Denver, they said that half of the animals were moved the day before because they had activated their network of fostering. So oh, nice. they're they're good to go. They have enough foster parents at the Denver animal shelter for now. <laughs> yeah. So I don't need to take in 
a new dog, mm-hmm. <laughs> aka rescue a dog. Um, <laughs> rescue a dog yeah. so he doesn't have to rescue a human. Yeah. yeah. But how about like turning all of these tools back on ourselves? Right. Yeah. And like truly yes. using this time to embody all that we've been learning. Mm ground it into our physical being mm-hmm. so that it's a real true authentic practice transmission when we do share preach. it mm-hmm. yeah and that's where i've been focusing and that's energy, a really great perspective because you're right like i was actually yeah like I've, I've been speaking to this like why is it that i'm so effective and efficient with like with with helping and teaching and structuring, like it's like the, the yoga paradigm for me. I've been a yoga teacher since 2008. Like I have just now again, gotten back into my personal practice. Mm-hmm. Like why are we not using these tools right. on ourselves? And we need it like, right now. We need it like... more than ever right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you're mm-hmm. right. <sighs> uh, archetypes. Archetypes. Right. Mm-hmm. And your archetype that you embody during the pandemic. <laughs> I think That's everyone should ask that question for yeah. themselves. And yeah. I would highly recommend getting that book, Sacred Contracts, while Amazon's still I know, I working. Read it. And just Boy, just go to the glossary reading. at the end and read through and find five to twelve archetypes that really speak to you. Yeah. Mm. It's so mm. fun to explore. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, you planted saboteur the other day and I was like oh my god like I totally do that <laughs> yeah like the other day Logan asked me like just totally innocently like what is it that you want to learn during this time and my saboteur comes in and is like I don't want to answer this like <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah. whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the volume on those, like we were talking about Bonnie's experience and noticing like people are much more easily triggered right now. I think the volume on that expression is turned up. And then yeah, there's this totally. other side of me that's like, right before going to Walmart, like, like Derek and I were like, Ooh, like let's embody our alter egos right now and dress accordingly and then go out. Cause like, you know, we haven't like, Really, I mean, look at me. Like, we haven't, like, gotten to dress up and do the normal, like, outward expression, like, Mm -hmm. in our... So, like, why don't we play into this a little bit? And, like, when we are feeling this certain archetype start to take root in, like, our experience and, you know, our expression... Yeah, like, be a little theatrical about (laughs) it. Like, I think it would would bring humor, like, a little comedic relief to this thing. I really like that idea. We need more props. (laughs) We like props. I know, right? We have a lot of props. Do we? Yeah. We can get creative. (laughs) Yeah, let's use it. But I'm thinking about what, like, my rescuer prop, like, a lasso made of rope. <laughs> a lot. Walk so around the house. And like, Who's Jones. here to rescue today? <laughs> you can do the Indiana Jones archetype and embody uh, the Don Juan and yeah. the rescuer. Yeah. I want to watch Don Juan, the Johnny Depp movie. I haven't oh, watched yeah, it. Oh, yeah, it's so I good. Oh, okay. It's I one think... of my old classics. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, even the Doors movie, like Jim Morrison was Don Juan. Yeah, he totally. was also like the Lizard King. Yeah, but there's also this like Eastern like escapist mm-hmm. like, seeker, seeker, mm-hmm. maybe yeah. even guru. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah, oh, like, for sure. Let like me he take definitely this energy the of the crowd and like self obsession. Mm-hmm. Oh, self obsession sure. is yeah. a fallout of 
holding the shadow of the guru archetype. Mm -hmm. I've had self-obsession coming out in myself Mm -hmm. too. Like when other people are going through their process and then I'm like, I directly caused this to happen (laughs) (laughs) because I was in a process. Like I led to this other person having this breakdown and uh-huh. I mean yes we're all in a relationship right now but it's not all about me <laughs> right I had an existential crisis right. where I thought I'd move to Portland yeah. based on my reaction to that someone was else just wanting yesterday. to move there. <laughs> it's amazing how it works out like that yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, so. it's interesting to, to <laughs> see people outside of even our home environment and how they're doing within their environments mm-hmm. because the dynamics whether you know i have a lot of friends that live by themselves mm. and i really check in on those friends yeah. that are by themselves mm. kids Holy. like mother mary I know, <laughs> right <laughs> and i have i've been like calling the kiddos and checking in and making sure everybody's all right and that's your work right now totally that's the funny thing about yeah. how this leads those lines between yeah, like passion and work that's your passion at this it moment. is it mm. is and it's really all i have time like, all i've got to do right now mm-hmm. like i have so much time on my hands i'm like how do i you know and like just approaching my even re like i'm using this i loved i love it when i we all have the time and space to like reinvent ourselves but i personally find a lot of excitement in it and just like reinventing how I approach business and like working from home and, and working on my own personal business here with Purium, for example, and then really having a conversation with Volley recently, our other roommate about how I don't feel really good about multi-level marketing. Like it's something that like, and especially in these current times, like I don't feel good about calling people and trying to sell them something because I have no money. Like I expect for people to be in very similar circumstances and mm-hmm. feel bad. But he actually was like, you know what, Mary? He's like, to me, you seem like somebody that naturally likes to connect with people. He's like, don't approach it from a sales standpoint. Like, call and check in on people and, like, get a feel for, like, what it is, like, your nearest and dearest need or want for themselves. And if there's somebody that's in a place where they can't, you know, engage with you on that level, whether it's take on, you know, a remote business or you know, like order food from your remote business. But like, I'm a connector. I like, I like for better or for worse. I like to connect with people and you know, nine times out of 10, I'm not going to talk about my business. We're going to talk about everything else going on in their lives. But Mm. like using these strengths that you like, we've all, we all have on a level and then like engaging with people from a new lens or from the Mm. perspective of a new lens, because I'm personally finding like, it super healing to mm. connect with people yeah. via video chat that I haven't and even talked to for that, years. That's, like that's like the archetype of the guy that works at Match dot com. Totally. And, um, the, <laughs> totally. The secret life of Walter Mitty. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? The secret life, or is it a not secret? Life? I'm not getting your reference. But Something continue. life of Walter Mitty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you know it's the secret about. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the guy that works at Time Magazine. Oh, do we need to watch that movie? Yeah, add it to the that list. That inspired me to like travel the world. <laughs> no way. I think I've yeah. seen it, but it's I watched not, it on like, the totally plane. Ringing a bell. Yeah. I watched it on the plane from Sweden to Bangkok when I was like first leaving like the cultures that I was familiar with, and I was just like, oh my god, like. I'm on that helicopter, like, I'm about to jump off of it. Oh, yeah. With the suitcase. 
Have you watched the movie? I have not seen the movie. Oh I've gosh. heard of the movie. I've okay, not well, seen it. Okay, we need to watch it because the archetype that you're playing out is the guy in that movie that works at Match.com that calls <laughs> up Walter yeah. at, like every other day. It is like, hey, how are you doing? Chat. It's hilarious because yeah. it's so valid for this time because... Walter's life was like structured. I'm working at Time Magazine. I work in like the basement in the uh, materials, like the assets department, uh-huh. like the film reels from like 80 years ago. That's right. in the b- department he works. And his life was like, you know, just like, oh, I'm on my computer. I'm at home. I'm on my computer. I'm at home. I'm going through the elevator. Oh, there's a cute girl. Oh, I don't know how to talk to her. I'm going home. I'm going to work. I'm going home. Right. And then he's just like, well, I'm going to go on match.com. I'm going to wink at people. Wink, wink. Wink at this person. <laughs> wink at this person. Oh, it's like Bumble. Oh, winking at this person. Winking at that person. And then he gets, uh, there's an assignment to try to get <clears throat> one of the assets from this guy that actually is like a traveling photographer, like around mm. the world, very like desired by Walter, but he didn't know that. And then it was like, well, we need you to get this asset. So you're going to need to go to Greenland, like uh, to this like ship yeah, to pick up the asset. Like you need to be box. the investigator. Mm-hmm. So he leaves that. And then like a week later, he's like in the middle of like this crazy new adventure world. And um, the guy from Match.com gives him a call and is like, hey, I see that your profile is, like, not super active right now. Like, do you have some time and we can, like, build out your profile and try to get you more winks and more huh? people responding to your winks? I see you haven't winked at anyone in, like, a week. What's going on? <laughs> Why aren't you winking? <laughs> and then he was just, yeah, he, like, held that conversation. And it was just, like, a magical, like, enmeshment of worlds and the beautiful thing was walter was living out like his best life and the guy at match.com was living out his best life how can we all be at that level where we're willing to work at freaking match.com like if that's what you're called to do or if you're called to like have your at-home business where you call people and talk to them and nine out of ten you don't even talk to them about your product and one out of ten you do right and like if that's what makes you feel alive totally who cares what company it is that you work for who cares like what that looks like as long as there's human connection on an authentic level if that's what makes you alive exactly if like your archetype is that salesperson then be it Mm, if that means like walking around selling solar panels to people like do it because you love it not because it's the best income source that you can find in that moment Right, or even just taking that a step further and reinventing ourselves in this day and age with the circumstances being what they are, getting super uber creative about how we approach those passions and doing something a little bit different. Mm. Because like now we're we're all being called to adapt mm. and to... And my, my mother is thinking very, um, <laughs> bless her heart, she's thinking very concretely, like, what does the system need right now? I know you're out of work, and you must find a way to like self-sustain. And my dad's like, you need to find a way to self-sustain. And like my mom's like, well, you've got a merchant guard license. Go and be, <laughs> go and be a security guard at a hospital. And I was like, you're out of your mind. Hey, <laughs> no, like we heard in like the end times here. Like I admire deeply the people who are able to do that. But like for starters, exposure is a thing. And secondly, like if there, if we do get to the point, heaven forbid, where they're not letting people into the hospital rooms. Those are going to be the first 
um, American, North American, like, you know, mass massacres. <laughs> like those are the those are the people that are going to be the front line of defense for the people who want to get their mother into a hospital mm. bed and onto a respirator. So I was just like, mother, like, she's definitely thinking from a motherly place of mm. like support yourself. Yeah. You need to keep supporting yourself. But then she's also not thinking at the bigger picture of like what that would look like on my end. And and I've been really genuinely thinking like during this time, this downtime of no work. Um, what it is that I definitely don't want to do right now. Mm-hmm. And it is not necessarily like, like I, yes, I want to make an income. Yes. I want to support myself. Like these are the given things, but like, do I have to, to again, mm-hmm. take another route that involves me selling out? Like, no, like reinvent. Like I am not, you know, I have some really mm-hmm. dear friends who are like, Oh, come and work, you know, mm-hmm. in uh, plumbing with me and do yeah. estimates. And I'm just like, I so appreciate that offer, and I know that there's a potential to make mm. a lot of money doing that. But like, I don't want to work in, in mm. plumbing right now or ever right now. This <laughs> this you know? is the sinking of the Titanic. Yeah, and we're playing out that beautiful like theatrical performance right now. Some people, the doctors, nurses, mm-hmm. grocery store workers, mm-hmm. are like the engineers that are continuing to work as. Mm as those vaults are filling with water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Bless their hearts. Bless them. Yeah. And there's people that are playing the musical instruments. Right. Like in the band. The meme makers. Mm-hmm. There's people that are clenching <laughs> with the last grip they have of their life to what they were before that. You're absolutely and right. And like whether that was that looks like them like being a waiter and being like uh, we don't have any people coming to the dinner room right now. Yeah. Oh, the lights are going off and the boat is, you know, but I don't know what else to do. Like all the life rafts mm. are full and I'm a man. And so I'm, like, yeah, it's, so... you're, we're going to see a lot of that, especially mm. within, we, you were very specific with the waiter example, but like within the, how many of our friends work within the service industry, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. our circle, our generation, like the college educated, mm. a lot of times yeah. college educated service industry employees mm-hmm. who are just trying to make ends meet Mm -hmm. and don't know what else to do. And can we really not make better jobs for people? Like, is that not in our capacity? Yeah, like shifting the focus on like, okay, what are my marketable skills? Like, how can I Mm. go out right now and put those to use so that I can make the income that I'm missing? Instead of shifting it to like, how can I sell myself? Like more like, what inherent gifts are within me that want to come out right now? Mm. And maybe it's not going to provide income in this moment, mm. but I can support people in my yeah. community Amen. by allowing these gifts to emerge. And then hopefully we can get to the point where we actually are Find receiving from and that. Mm-hmm. To me, that looks like walk around the boat. Mm-hmm. Like the Titanic yeah. is sinking. Like if you're in a life raft, great. Um, and that's maybe not too useful. Let's pretend there's no life rafts. Because <laughs> I feel like the life rafts are all the politicians right now. Right, like, oh, totally. The, like, trying super to build wealthy. life rafts. Uh-huh. Yeah. When it's not, if you didn't leave the dock with life rafts on the boat, a.k.a. You don't a have department the of pandemic, because yeah. we don't have a department of pandemic yet, you can't build that on the fly. Mm-hmm. So it's, I feel, I'm visualizing like, if you don't know what your purpose is right now, walk around the boat. Yeah. And what's going to happen, mm-hmm. I think, when this is my own world of, like, if I'm walking around that boat, someone in a panic is going to run up to me 
freaking the F out. Yeah. And they're going to be, like, voicing that frustration. And this is why I was a paramedic. Because uh, then huh. I can transmute that for them. And mm-hmm. I come to people very well when they come mm-hmm. in, like, that time of, like, intense crisis. Right. And I'm just like, well, like, what are you trying to do? How can I help? Like, oh, well, I can't find my wife and child. Well, like, let's try in the safest way we can to do that. And, like, coming into their world mm-hmm. for a moment and then attempting mm-hmm. to rescue <clears throat> when it's called for in a way that like feels like it serves the greater good. Someone else might walk down the hall and they might like l- be looking at the artwork and be like, you know, I never really learned how to paint. Yeah. And that's like beautiful art on the walls. That's not where my attention would go. Uh-huh. I don't know. What, what would, Mary, what would be your, um, if you were walking around aimlessly right now around the around ship? Around the what ship. Do you think? I would be, work- I would, I would absolutely be working with, panicking people I would be working I would like if I saw people um especially people that are like in a corner by themselves just like Mm. tripping out I like I'm I'm fest mom in like my normal social life like Mm. I'm you know I also surround myself with people who are like fairly well like self-sustainable but um I'm totally that that person that my friends like if they eat the brown acid like they come to me mm-hmm. and I like make them mm-hmm. their meal and I like set them up. I'm like totally best mom. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done some like volunteering with Zendo. Like, and I think this is what draws me into the realm of um, somatic psychology mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. me moving away from teaching, which is a lot of like I did, I was a teacher for 10, 11 years yeah. and I, it was a lot of energy expulsion. And I mm-hmm. started to recognize as I got older and as I experienced the, um, had my experience within the industry a little bit more that my skill sets could be better applied and more sustainable for myself personally yeah. if I worked with people in a one-on-one capacity, right. especially from a, an emotional level. Because I, I noticed as much as I love teaching and and creating lesson plans and developing curriculum, I love knowledge, I love learning. However, I also, like, there's something that's just endlessly fascinating to me about, like, the human psyche and mm-hmm. and how our experiences and our trauma shape our, our outlook on the world. And, and it's been a part of my own personal healing journey, like, through my traumas to, to better understand and to, like, kind of, you know, to feel my way through it kind of aesthetically, through dance, through expression, through art, like, artistic expression, through... Um, psychological inquiry, you know? And so I would be like, let's say I saw some man rocking back and forth, like losing their marbles. Like Mm -hmm. I would be that woman that's like, Hey, come here. Like, we're gonna, you know, are you good? Like you need to stay there and rock because the ship is sinking (laughs) and I'll let you rock. But like, would you rather be on this little stroll with me? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? I don't know, what about you, Monica? Maybe, or they want you to come to their level and talk to them. If there's no right, life, and folks, sit down. If like, there's, there's no nothing life, to do. what would you do? Yeah, <laughs> totally. But, yeah, I would just offer that, not to say that they might really enjoy taking a stroll and feeling the right. wind in their hair. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. What's coming to me right now is, oh, I think I would, I would want to be in creative expression mm-hmm. like the the musicians that were playing out those final mm-hmm. moments like that holds so much like resonance to me and maybe I wouldn't be mm-hmm. in the band 
playing along, <laughs> but maybe I would be like singing, singing and like allowing mm. the energy of everything that's happening to like move through me mm. and just like transmute that into some expression. Mm. I think that's yeah. what I'm feeling pulled mm. to. Visualizing like going into your room and putting on like your best white dress yeah. and then just leaving everything behind like leaving yeah, if it was a modern point... era leaving the phone <laughs> but leaving everything your suitcase your life vest and just walking down the hall like singing yeah or going up onto the deck and just like allowing my mm. body to to move to the rocking of the boat yeah. and just like feeling it all mm-hmm. yeah it's beautiful i like that i like that this is a great question this what is would a you really do? good yeah did you what would you say that yeah, yeah, you did. Well, I said like you're it's definitely someone's like working coming with the up and screaming. People. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Helping but then, like problem solve and yeah, maybe that's not my fullest truth, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe that is only at one iteration of the process. Like uh-huh. there's there's a time where people are moving through these stages of grief where it's like denial and like then all the rigidity, mm. all the intensity, the bargaining. Oh yeah. And da 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 da. But I was thinking when you were speaking like. Um, it was a projection thought of like, well, what about when there's no one left who's like Who needs freaking out? You to rescue them? Yeah. <laughs> then, oh, what? Yeah. then what? Then what would I do? Okay, I'd be walking. I would around be in the Monica. Halls. I would be like with Monica, like dancing <laughs> okay, around. Okay, I'd be walking around the halls. I'd like, probably try to. I would totally be that lady. I'd probably try to rescue the boat, but then realize there's a lot of engineers that can do that too. Not that I mean, I'm trained as an engineer, but like in terms of plugging holes, it's probably like bigger than what I could do with my hands. <laughs> like, I um, like, I'd try to like find other people that are trapped so more rescuing and let's say no one is left to rescue on the boat uh, <laughs> I would go up then to the top what? I would go up to the captain's chain area and I'd sit in the wheelhouse cross-legged in the very front meditating and just peering at all the chaos and just like breathing it all in and feeling the wind come through. Because it's the, the end. movement of the ship. <laughs> this is the end. My and friend, if the someone, end. if that final like person came out screaming, I'd just give them a look and then continue meditating. Get busy. And <laughs> yeah. Enjoying and yeah. Um, feeling like I've done it all. Like I've mm. done enough. I've done what I could. And yeah just that final moment of like deep rest and how much enjoyment that would bring that like my work is done Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I hope that through this experience we can all play out both sides to this the like action of yes I have something to contribute yes I have have gifts to share yes I can support people Mm -hmm. around me but also the just internal slowing down and peace mm. that mm-hmm. no nobody really has the opportunity for in yeah. our like productive like you know go 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 mm. society so how to have the pause mm. and yeah. also the yeah. the creation and yeah. make space for both mm. yeah mm. thank you guys mm-hmm. yes. thank you mm-hmm. this was lovely mm-hmm.